who don't know me, um, I'm Beth, and I have the honour of bringing you the sermon today, um, and it is such an honour, and um, hello to all of you joining us online, it's great to have you with us as well. Um, as Christian said, today I have been in the task of opening our summer series, which um, I've called People from the Bible. Um, <laughs> um, there is actually a reason I didn't say heroes, and that will come up. Um, so you'll see that. Um, but I have been asked to start us off with looking at Moses. I'm just going to move my hair because I'm making funny noises. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if I do that, just tell me. Um, so yeah, I get to talk about Moses today and you will see my lovely um, character of Moses here. Um, and notice he's not looking too happy. That will, that's a, a little clue for what's to come um, in today's sermon. Um, so, for those of you who don't know the story of Moses, because I'm not going to assume that everyone does, um, Moses was remembered some, for some incredible things in his life. Um, he's best remembered for leading the Israelite people out of Egypt um, in slavery, they were. So, he, um, he basically, what well, God used him to help set them free from slavery in Egypt. Um, he um, parted the Red Sea. Um, God had conversations with him directly, which, which was pretty cool. Um, and he also was chosen to write down the Ten Commandments, which we um, probably know of now. Um, it was a pretty important job. So he had a pretty incredible life. Um, in fact, the very fact that he was alive in the first place was a miracle. Um, so, as I said, the Israelite people were in slavery in Egypt. Um, and because these Israelites, as you do, started multiplying and having babies, um, the Egyptians were worried that there would be so many of them that they would rise up and fight back against the Egyptians. So Pharaoh's answer to this, sadly, was to order that all the male babies in the Israelite community were killed. And the only reason that Moses actually survived that was because it said he was quite handsome. So I'm not sure if it meant that he looked a little bit like a girl and they got away with it for a little bit. Um, but basically, his mum hid him for a really long time. And then when it got to the point that they couldn't hide him anymore, um, she put him in a basket and Moses just happened to... Um, come across Pharaoh's daughter who decided that she would raise him as her own to save him. So his life was a miracle. And I could choose so many passages today to talk about how he was a hero. And we could be really inspired to go away and live more like Moses. Um, but you know, I think sometimes we look at these people in the Bible and we do think that they are these superheroes. And they are perfect beings that God has chosen and we can only strive to be like. But I think we forget that these people in the Bible were just people. They were people like you and me. And yes, they did some pretty impressive things, but also they got it wrong a lot of the time. And the only reason they're remembered in history as these heroes of the faith it's because God chose to use them despite all the things that they got wrong, their bad decisions 
and their imperfections. And I think that is really reassuring for us, that actually we don't have to be these perfect human beings, that God can still use us to do his will. So today, instead of focusing on all the good things about Moses, I'm going to choose some passages where Moses gets it wrong. Um, So, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Exodus 3, verse 9 to 14, and then I'm going to skip a bit, otherwise we'll be here forever, and we're going to go to Exodus 4, verse 1 to 15. And we join the story at the point where Moses has fled Egypt because he's murdered someone. And he's got married, and he's worked as a shepherd in his father-in-law's block for 40 years, and then suddenly he comes across this burning bush and God chooses to speak to him it says this God says this look the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh you must lead my people Israel out of Egypt but Moses protested to God Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answers, I will be with you. And this is the sign that I am the one who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What's his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it to the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, Reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry land. When you do, 
the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anybody else. <laughs> then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with you both as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. So I've named the message today, Moses the Protester. Because I think this passage shows us that Moses was really good at making excuses as to why he couldn't follow God's instruction. <laughs> um, for the last nine years, I have been working in a high school with teenagers. Um, and not all teenagers are like this, but some of the teenagers that I work with, um, they are really, really good at making excuses as to why they can't do something they don't want to do. <laughs> Some of my favorite ones are maybe that, oh, there's too much, or um, hang on, miss, I've just got to send this text, and then actually they're sending a Snapchat of me with devil horns. <laughs> they're really, really good at making excuses why they can't do the work. But, you know, even after, well, normally by the second or third time, um, they'll have given up and realized they're not going to get anywhere and just get on with it. But Moses just kept on going. <laughs> you see, Moses had this incredible call on his life, and he didn't even know how big this calling was at the time. But Moses comes up with not one, not two, not three, but four reasons why he doesn't think he can follow God's call. The first one of these is, why choose me? Moses begins by asking God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses does not believe that he is capable of completing the task. He believes that there are others out there that are so much more suited to the role. You know, Moses wasn't brought up as an Israelite. He was brought up as an Egyptian. He'd murdered someone and then had lived as an exile shepherd and couldn't actually return to Egypt for fear of being killed and punished. And by now, he was 80 years old. So you might say he's not the perfect candidate for leading the people out of Israel, uh, Egypt. Sorry. When I was at school, I was not a fan of PE. I know it's a shock to you all. And <laughs> there were students who absolutely loved PE, and they'd be asked to run a race or do a sport, and they would just be those people that would just do it and be really, really good at it. I was not one of those people. 
PE to me meant getting rained on, getting cold, demonstrating my utter lack of fitness, and then having to sit all day smelly and wet and uncomfortable. And the worst day of the year was sports day. Anybody else? No? Just me? Okay. <laughs> you see, sports day, as a tutor group, we all had to do a certain amount of activities that um, would earn our house. So we had houses um, that we were all in competition against each other. And we'd earn our house points by doing these activities. And I just knew, I, I really emphasized with Moses because I just knew I was the wrong person for the job. Okay? <laughs> I was going to fail in front of the whole school. I was going to have to run this race while they all watched me lose all their points for their house. And we can be like this with God and our callings. We can think there are so many other people who are just better for the role than we are. We want to see change in our community. We want to see people come to know Christ. We want a better world. And we are fully on board with God's intentions. But we just want somebody else to do it. And I think sometimes we look at Christians around us, maybe on the platform or those with a role within the church, and we think that they are just much more in tune with God than we are. And they are just much more holy people than we are. And they live their lives perfectly. And they are just a much better um, choice of person to follow God's call. But it's not true. And the thing is, God doesn't even address all these insecurities. He doesn't talk about, oh, well, I chose you, Moses, because you're the best at doing this, or I know you're really skilled at doing this. He, he just follows with a simple response, and he says this, I will be with you. You see, Moses had got it wrong. He believed it was about his abilities and his knowledge or what he did and didn't know, but he'd missed the vital point. Because he believed that it was him that was going to do the saving. But it was God that was going to do the saving. And you know it's the same for us today. If God is with us, then it doesn't really matter if we don't feel good enough. Or if we're not good enough at certain things. It doesn't matter if there are people that we think are better suited to the role. Because all that matters is God is there and he's working through us. And he will be the one that makes it work. And he will be the one that does the saving. Moses' second protest is that the Israelites won't think he's good enough. So we've talked about he doesn't think he's good enough. Now the Israelites, the people of God, won't think he's good enough. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And then he says, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? You see, Moses wasn't brought up in the Israelite community. He wasn't taught their ways. He hadn't endured everything that they had gone through. The only thing the Israelites would possibly know about him was that he'd been brought up as an Egyptian, that he'd killed a man, and then he'd ran away for a really long time. 
And it would be pretty reasonable for the Israelites to question whether this man should be their leader. Imagine if today some randomer that we'd never met before walked into our church and said, I feel God is called to lead this church, called me to lead this church. <laughs> we would quite, um, yeah, quite understandably question that. <laughs> and that's good. We should question that. <laughs> uh, but when God calls us in the church, we can be really worried about what other people in the church will think. Maybe, um, maybe we don't pass ourselves forwards for things because we're a little bit worried that we might get humiliated if we get it wrong. Or maybe our pride might get hurt if, rightly or wrongly, someone questions whether we're right for the role. And it is good that people question whether we're right for the role. And we have a leadership that are there to consider those things and consider where God is leading the church and what he is doing and whether what we believe God is telling us fits in with what the, where the church is going. Because if it is what God wants, then it will fit with that. Um, and I don't in any way want to say we, shouldn't, we should go against that. Okay, that is their, their role and we should be accepting of those decisions. But there are also people, both inside and outside of the church, who believe that they should have a say over whether you should be up for your calling or whatever God has asked you to do. Um, I'm fully aware that, um, luckily in this church, it's not a problem. But if I look at the wider church, there are people who think I shouldn't be up here right now um, preaching because... I'm a woman. And there are people, whether they're right or wrong, um, due to their own convictions and their interpretations, who may have a problem with you acting out what you think God has called you to do. And they might want to speak against it, and they want, might want to make you feel uncomfortable. And it's true of those outside the church, too. They may look at us Christians doing community action or working with youth and think um, we, are, we are influencing how those people are thinking and trying to, um, trying to teach them certain ways and, and make them like us. And, you know, that they've got an argument and that is what they believe and that's fine. But I just think there's a lot of time we spend worrying about what other people think of us. And imagine if we put that time that we were worrying into just being obedient to what God had asked us to do. I want to ask you this question. Is it our job to prove that God has called us? Moses knows that he will be questioned, quite rightly, as to whether he really met with God. And God responds firstly by giving him his name, Yahweh. Um, and that's the name that the Israelite people would have known God as. Um, so the Israelites would have had an inkling that Moses had had some communication with God, that he knew that name. But Moses knows that that's not going to be enough. So God shows him how he will perform supernatural signs that the Israelites um, will be able to see that God is using him. Again, take note, it's nothing that Moses does that proves that he is called. But it's everything to do with what God does through him. And God makes it clear 
that he has called him. And if God has called us, he will work through us and he will make it clear that we are called by him. We just need to get on with being obedient to what God has called us to do. And he will do the rest. Protest three. So God has shown Moses that it's him that will do the saving and it's him that's going to show everybody else that he's called to do that job. But Moses comes up with a third protest. And this time he says he's unable to perform the task. He says, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words and never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Now, lots of people interpret this passage to mean that Moses has some sort of stammer or physical reason that he can't speak. But this doesn't seem to be the case. In Acts 7, verse 22, it says that Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful in both speech and action. It also goes on to say that it wasn't until Moses was 40 years old that he visited the Israelites and murdered the Egyptians. So that means that Moses had 40 years of being powerful with his speech. But then it goes on to say he'd actually had another 40 years of being in exile and being a shepherd and not using that power of speech. Moses wasn't unable to speak. He had just stopped doing it for a really long time. And he didn't believe he could do it anymore. Maybe when we were younger, God called, uh, used us to do all sorts of things. And now we're older, we don't do those things anymore. Maybe we had gifts and abilities that he gave us, and we don't use them anymore. Maybe we believe that those things are not inside us anymore. Maybe when we were first saved, God put things on our hearts that we were really passionate about seeing change and doing. But as we've got more comfortable, that passion's fizzled out. God's calling and his gifts do not have an expiry date. He wants to use us whether we are eight or whether we are 80 like Moses. God doesn't stop using us just because we are at retirement age or just because our circumstances have changed. So maybe today God's calling you to reawaken those things that God, he had put in your hearts when you first became a Christian or um, many years ago. And maybe he's calling you to start using those gifts and abilities again. God responds to Moses by saying, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what to say. It's God who makes our bodies. It's God who gives us our abilities. And if we are willing to be obedient to God, then God will be the one that makes us able to do it. 
finally, in Moses' fourth and final protest, we get to the bottom of Moses' reason for arguing with God. He just doesn't want to do it. He's afraid. He says, Lord, please send anybody else. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and I, I guess maybe we've been there before, and we just want somebody else to do it. Now, notice up until this point, God has been patient with Moses. He's spoken with him. He's reassured him. And he, he's just, yeah, he's, he's shown him that it will be him that will, will do all the work, and he has nothing to worry about. But at this point, we see that Moses is not unable to do his call, but he's unwilling to do his call. And we can be quick to judge Moses and think, how can you, how can you say no? God's appearing to you in this burning bush and he's got this amazing call and how can you be unwilling to do that? But are we really so different? Moses was going to do something that was going to require him to give up his life as he knew it, put him in extreme danger, and rely completely on God for absolutely everything. I wonder if we would be willing to do the same. What is our limit? Maybe we're willing to be obedient to God unless it causes us to have to give up finances. Maybe we're willing to be obedient to God as long as we don't have to give up another day in the week or time in the week. Maybe it's fine as long as we don't have to move away from home or from our friends. Are we really willing to do anything for God? But even in his frustration, God, who is full of grace and love, makes an allowance for Moses. He gives Moses Aaron to speak on his behalf. God meets Moses where he's at, with all his um, emotions, with all his protests, and he still finds a way. He places someone in his life that can support him and help him through the journey. And God does the same for us today. We are surrounded with a family of people who are ready and willing to help us in discovering what God has called us to do and to live it out. So let's be having conversations with our connect groups and our mentors. Let's open up to them and help let them share the journey with us. So as we close, I want to give us some time to respond to anything that has stirred your heart today. And the prayer team are going to come up in the last song um, as we do that. So, Andy, if you want to um, maybe make your way. I don't know where you are. You're there. <laughs> um, so, please, if you feel that there has been anything that's spoken to you today, please feel you can come up and be prayed for in the last song. So, just to remind you, Moses' protests were, why me? Maybe we don't feel good enough to be chosen. And we need God to just give us that confidence that he doesn't make mistakes in who he chooses. And that if we are obedient, he will be with us and we can know that it's him that will make it work. What will others think? 
Maybe we've been allowing our fear of what other people will think to prevent us from doing God's will for our lives. Let's pray that he would release us from that fear and give us the courage to be obedient, even if some people might oppose us. Maybe there are giftings inside us that we haven't used for many years. And maybe in our response to this message, we just need to let God reignite that passion and those giftings that he placed inside us. Maybe God has revealed his calling to us many years ago, and we just need to take some time to recommit to that calling. Or maybe we need to open our hearts to be willing. Maybe we've been closed off and unwilling to follow God. Maybe today we need to allow God to work in our hearts and help us surrender to his will. Or maybe we just need to be willing to start sharing our journey with others, allowing them to support us in moving forwards. Or maybe today you don't even know if you believe in God. Maybe it's your first time setting foot in this church and you don't really have a clue what I'm going on about, and that's okay. (laughs) Or maybe you want to believe in God like Moses, um, but you keep fighting it. And I want you to know that that's perfectly fine. And if you are in that place, we are a family here that wants to support you and help you on that journey of discovering who God is for yourself and processing what that means for your life. And we would love to pray with you if that's you today. Or maybe you're ready to stop fighting God. And today you just want to make the decision to give your life to him today. And we will just say a prayer now that if that's you, please feel free to join in. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God, that you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death and to restore me into a relationship with the Father. I choose now to turn from every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my saviour and Lord. Come reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and your life. Restore me. Live in me and love through me. Amen.